at some time or another have agonized over making a decision. Some decisions are major decisions. And also there are a lot of small decisions that we don't make. That they tax our minds. They drain our energy. They create a lot of anxiety and nervousness. Because we don't take care of it. We decide not to decide. Which is a decision. Deciding to decide, to act, is a major, major challenge for all of us at different points in different areas of our lives. And there are things that happen to us along the way, experiences that we have that prevent us from working through the mental block of acting, of doing those things that we know we ought to do. And so what I want you to think about is what is there that you know you need to do, that you want to do this, but for some reason or another, you've been holding back. For some reason or another, you just have not been able to gather your nerves or be able to work through the procrastinating or putting it off or justifying or blaming. Some reason or another, you just haven't done it. And you know you ought to do this. You really want to do this, but you don't know why you haven't done it. We know that this is not easy. That you really have got to put all of yourself into it. It's very challenging to act, to do those things. There are times when you're looking at it and you say, I, I know I need to do this, but I don't feel like it. From acting is the fear of failure. And if you've already failed, you don't want to fail again. The pain of that, the disappointment, the fear of loss is another thing. Because many times when we do those things that we know we need to do, we feel that we might lose somebody. Many of us don't act because we want other people's approval. Many of us don't do the things that we want to do and don't act because of lack of self-confidence. We don't believe enough in ourselves. There are a lot of people that their jobs are making them sick because they won't act. You check out the absenteeism and people that are depressed. And so there are many reasons why we don't act. There are other things, though, that affect us. It's that not wanting to take personal responsibility. We want somebody else to do it. Many times we pick up our inability to do certain things from people that we love, people that we admire. We identify with them, and we live in the context of their ideas, their opinions, and their life patterns. We buy into it unconsciously. I couldn't help but think that God wants greatness to come out of us. But it takes a humility to handle greatness. You can't believe one way and live another way and be great. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some energy. It's going to cost you some, some, some sacrifice. It's going to cost you some resources. It's going to cost you some hours of your life laying down, paying the price, going the extra mile, doing what other people are not willing to do. Greatness is not cheap. Greatness always costs more. That's why there's not many people who achieve greatness. They're not willing to pay the price. And God says, the ones that I can trust greatness with in the great house are the ones who will purge themselves, cleanse themselves, set themselves aside and say, God, I want to be great for you. I want you to touch my life with your grace, and I want to see greatness break forth in my life for the glory of my King. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe that we're limited because of our past failures. I think we're limited because we feel a sense of unforgiveness. But church, I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to come to Christ. 
It's never too late to change your direction. It's never too late to take your hurts, your past, your pain and bring it into a place where there's victory because there's power in the name of Jesus. Today, you're going to hear me highlight, we're going to go from flawed to flow. What that means is that we realize that in our life, maybe we've messed some things up. Maybe we've lived a, a life that we have, have hurt the cause of Christ. And I'm not just talking about just in our physical, but even in our spiritual. But I know that there comes for, there becomes forgiveness for those and that God's forgiveness will flow to you and for you. Maybe for some of you, you've dealt with some conflict in your life. Maybe you could say, yes, I know I've come from conflict to comfort, from flawed to forgiven. From flawed to flow. Sounds like a lady's name, doesn't it? Well, it was. From Mel's Diner. You knew it right when I said that. I, I, that wasn't in here. I just thought I'd throw that in there. There will come a time in each one of our lives that sometimes they're troubles. Remember the old song, Troublesome times are here, Failing men's hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear, now is at hand. Humbling our hearts to God, safe from the chastening rod. Mm. Pilgrims trot, Christians awake. And then it says, Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom. The trumpets will sound, yes, they will. All of God's men shall rise, righteous meets in the skies, going where no one dies, heavenward bound. Thank you, honey. My wife helped me out. I didn't even that. But you know, troublesome times are here. Would you agree? There's heartbreak that's here. There's some situations that are difficult, conditions which are totally out of our human control. The devil likes to tell us, that the longer they continue, the more hopeless they become. However, in this series of messages, we will be reminded that with God, there is no such thing as hopeless situations or a hopeless person or a hopeless condition. I debated back and forth if I was going to start today's message just because I was sharing with the praise team. When God gives me the word and I start putting thought narrative to paper i want the whole body of christ to hear it so that they can be fed spiritually but today i felt that god really wanted me to preach this message and start this series off of it's never too late it's not too late many people will say oh but pastor you do not know the, the addictions that I've been a part of, you have no clue what sin I have participated in. There is just no forgiveness for me. I'm a dirty, dirty, filthy person. And I will say to them, hi, my name is Todd. You don't know my life. You don't even know where I've been. You don't even want to get in this mind of mine. You don't want to visit this secret place of my heart. Because if you do, you might not like me either. But there's so much forgiveness for you. And even though you feel like your future seems hopeless, there is hope in our living Savior, Jesus Christ. Because God loves you and he cares for you. If you would, please take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32. And we're going to be looking at verse 24. That's Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. I believe that we're going to be discussing probably one of the greatest deceivers of the Old Testament. He was a manipulator. As my kids say, I had to put it in here, he was a finesser. I guess that's the new word. A manipulator would be somebody that finesses. I even looked it up, and can you believe that Wikipedia even has it in there now? My daughter, Megan, she teaches me some of the great words of today's time. 
Because if anything new comes out, she says it. Like the word flex. I'm like, what, what does flex mean? Like showing off is flexing. You know, so you learn all these things. But I looked at Jacob, and I believe in some respects Jacob was dealing with pride. He was dealing with self-centeredness, and yet he was flexing, but he was finessing. Because that's who he was. He was a deceiver. But in his life, he came from flawed to flow. He came from conflict to comfort. I want you to notice in verse 24 of Genesis chapter 32, and here's what it reads. Here Jacob starts to wrestle with a man, and it's interesting what the Bible has to say. And I will tell you that I looked at all translations because I wanted to see just if somebody were to take that writing, but looking here in the Word of God, in verse 24 it says this, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Until the dawn of day. I like what Dr. Tony Evans says. He said, that's where Lionel Richie got the song, All night long, all night. Because he wrestled with this man all night long. Now watch this. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his And what the interpretation is, he struck the socket of his hip. So he struck the socket of his hip. It was out of joint and he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. Now, I love that in the scriptures because that means, are you ready? Prince with God. God's chosen people were the Israelites, the Jewish people. And yet, he says here, your name shall be changed. And I'll get into that message today. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and has prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen the face of God. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this this message this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll help as I kick off this series of messages on it's never too late. God, it's never too late to feel your power, your presence, your spirit. God, and I pray that what you want said today will be demonstrated and explained from behind this pulpit. Hide me behind the cross in your shadows. God, speak through me. Let me just be the the sound system for your word to not come back void, but to prosper into the hearts and souls of every person in this room. God, we love you and we thank you that it's never too late, that you're God of second chances, of third and fourth chances, that your grace is all sufficient and there's forgiveness for each and every one of us. So Lord, we thank you for this word. Speak to us today in Jesus' holy name. Amen. What you and I are witnessing today is not a lost generation. What we are witnessing today is the product of a lost generation. Do you hear what I'm saying? What we are witnessing is the transference or transference of a curse rather than the transference of a blessing. And we often find in the Bible where both cursing and blessing can be transferred from one generation to another generation until finally someone breaks the transference. I like what it says in Exodus chapter 34, verse 7. It says, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and fourth generation. We have to be careful that what we do and how we move forward in our life is a life of victory. 
I know my past. My parents were divorced and remarried. I had to make a choice and a decision. I had to break that, as the Bible says, the iniquity, the sins of my parents, of my father, my mother, so that in the third and fourth generation, if Becky and I can make it through this part of our life, this part of our timeline, that our daughters and my son-in-laws, if things get hard, I can stop that curse or that iniquity sin upon my life. So back when I was about 15 or 16 years of age, sitting in the pew there in Ravenna, I, I remembered uh, the pastor preaching on stopping the bloodline curse. And I had to look back over my life and see that, you know, with my grandfather and generations before that adultery was there and to ask God to stop it with me. Help me to stay holy. Help me to stay separated. And let me tell you something. The struggle's real. I'm the same guy as you. I'm the same sinner as you. We're all in this together. But one thing we can do, we have to stop and realize that blessings come from God. And that we have the ability to stop the strongholds that have been placed on us from generations previous. This morning I want us to look at one such man who wanted to turn a curse into a blessing. In the Old Testament, it speaks of a passing on a blessing. What that means is the blessing involved the naming and the determining of the future. It spoke of God's covenant with his people. And this morning, as we look at the life of Jacob, the name Jacob actually means deceiver, trickster. As you heard me say this, he was a shyster. He was a scheming, scamming type of finesser. I just love that word. I just had finesser. He would manipulate things and people so that it would, would work out like he wanted them to. The only person Jacob cared anything about was who? Jacob. Everything about him was selfish. He knew how to work on the weakness of others to serve his own personal needs. But there was one thing Jacob wanted more than anything. He wanted that blessing from his brother. Because Jacob knew what that blessing was. That there was a problem. According to Jewish tradition, and I'll give you a little history, it was the oldest son who got the biggest part of the blessing. The Bible says that the oldest son received a double portion of favor. A double portion of blessings. What does that mean? It means divine blessing. Not only physical, but spiritual. And Jacob wanted that blessing. So as was his custom, he connived and schemed and tricked and deceived his father Isaac into blessing him while thinking he was blessing his oldest son Esau. To summarize all this, this is what happened. When Isaac was old and couldn't see, Jacob dressed up like Esau, he put on Esau's clothes, and he talked like Esau, looked like Esau, and he acted like Esau. He walked in and said to Isaac, Father, it is time to bless me. Isaac asked him, like any father would ask that could not see, which of my sons are you? And he answered, I am Esau, your oldest son. So Isaac blessed Jacob, but thought he was actually blessing Esau. Now before this, in Genesis chapter 25, Esau sold his birthright blessing to Jacob for a bowl of porridge, for a bowl of cream of wheat, for a bowl of Oatmeal. This is for you, Sir Ronicus. He sold it for grits. Who eats grits? So watch this. So Esau had come in from the field and was hungry. And Jacob just happened to have the food prepared. Sure he did. And when Esau asked for some food, then Jacob bargained with him. 
hey, a bowl of soup for your birthright. Deal or no deal. And Esau said, what good is the blessing if I am dead from hunger? Here's the difference between the two twins. Esau was thinking only about the present. Do you hear me? Esau was only thinking about the present. Jacob was thinking about the future. That's why the blessing meant so much to him. Exactly. So considering the blessing was already his, Jacob went in and got the blessing. And in Genesis chapter 27, and I didn't want to go back and read this part and this part and this text and that text because I want to get through the message and and, uh, drive the point home here this morning. But in Genesis chapter 27, it said, the blessing said that as the dew falls down from heaven, so, so, so shall the goodness of God fall on you. And God said, I will bless you so that others will come under your authority and you shall lead them. And those who bless you, I will bless. And those who curse you, I will curse. For I will be your God. And in other words, here's what God was actually saying. I'm going to take care of your future. Remember, if you go all the way back to Abraham, he said, as many as the stars are in heaven and all the granules of the sand that's by the seashore, so I will bless the nations after you. I will bless you with favor. That is the blessing. When God goes in front of us in spite of what we have to go through, and God takes care of every obstacle and snare, whatever it is to hurt us or to work against us. But there was a problem here. Jacob has a blessing that his character is not ready for, and God won't share his blessing until our character is ready to do what? Receive it. We have to be ready to receive it. Now, as we read in the first part of Genesis chapter 32, Jacob is running for his life from his brother. Esau, who he stole the blessing from, for in anger Esau swore, I'll kill him, I'll hunt him down like a dog and I'll kill him. So Esau went after him. He lost his perspective. He lost his focus. How many of us have done that? We've lost our perspective. We've lost our focus. And why? Because we've started thinking more about us. Because remember, where your face is turned is where your focus goes. So his focus started to become more self-centered. And he went out to get all he could. And so Esau then in return said, Oh, wait a minute. You not only took my physical blessing, you took my spiritual blessing, you took everything that what I was entitled to. Funny what we'll do when we become weak. Isn't it interesting? Watch this. Esau became weak. He was out there hunting. He became weak, came in from the field and said, I'm hungry. And there's his scam and scheme and finesse her brother saying, here, you want some porridge? You want some cream of wheat? You want some food? And yet Esau knew what it was for. They talked about it. Did he not take his brother serious? You know, funny, be very careful what you say and who you share with. Outcome could be crucial, could be dangerous. We have to be careful to watch that because then Esau lost perspective. And so he went out to kill his brother. And and I'll tell you, anger started to control Esau, and he swore, I'll kill him, I'll hunt him down like a dog, and I will kill him. While running for his life, this stranger, a man, shows up and does what for Jacob? As we read here in the Bible, it says he grabbed Jacob and wrestles with him and will not let him go. Let me explain something to you this morning. When God is trying to address our character, he will often place us in certain situations, circumstances, and predicaments that will bring fear, frustration, defeat, and loneliness. And the scripture says here, when Jacob was alone. Well, wait a minute, Pastor Todd. You said Jacob was blessed. Well, that is what Genesis chapter 27 does say. And this is what Genesis 28 says, but he was a blessed man on the run, for he was a messed up man. 
Before God can unleash the blessing, he must first reverse the curse. Before God can unleash the blessing, he must first reverse the curse. God has to deal with this man and with his character. Jacob thinks that to be a success, one has to fool people and to get one over on people and to connive people, finesse and to deceive people in order to have certain things in life. So God puts Jacob into a situation that he just could not fix. His brother Esau has got a whole army of men and they're coming after Jacob to do what? To kill him. While by himself a stranger shows up, and you saw me read it here in the, in, the, in the scriptures, and grabs him and begins to wrestle with him. Jacob is already afraid. He's already scared, and now he is fighting, and he is fighting at night in the darkness until day breaks. But the man saw that Jacob was not going to give up. Jacob wasn't going to quit. Jacob wasn't going to throw in the towel. Then the man touched Jacob's hip, and the Bible says, watch this, the hip got dislocated. It was disconnected. It was out of joint. That was a painful situation. So what is this all about? What was this all about? It's about the things that all of us have to go through who really want a blessing. And that's brokenness. That's brokenness. So what is brokenness? Brokenness is where God strips us of our self-sufficiency. Brokenness is when we cannot make it happen on our own. Brokenness is when all we have is not enough. But brokenness is when God shows up and he shows us our sin and our character and our failure. And he shows us what and that we are not enough for us. And brokenness is that state of really knowing that we need God more than we need anything or anyone. When you get to the end of yourself, you get to the beginning of, thank God for times and seasons of brokenness, amen? The greatest personal revival comes from brokenness. So many people don't really see that they need God. Jacob is wrestling. He's in a desperate situation. He's in pain. He's in anguish because the Lord has placed him in a predicament. And for many of us, some God, sometimes God has to dislocate some things in our own life. At times, God has to create pain and reduce us in order to bless us. The man who wrestles with him says in Genesis 32, verse 26 here, Let me go, for dawn is breaking. Let me go. But Jacob says, I won't let you go. The man says to Jacob, what is your name? Remember now that in the Bible, oftentimes, there's a connection between one's name and one's character. Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. So the man says, okay, what is your name? It's a weird conversation to be having in the middle of a fight, huh? But again, names have a lot to do with your identity, and they have a lot to do with your character. That is why when God wanted to do something different with a person, he changed their name. You see it all through Bible, all through the Bible, Old Testament and in the New Testament. What's your name? So in other words, Jacob who are you? I'm Jacob. Hi, I'm a trickster. I'm a deceiver. I'm a finesser. That's who I am. Watch this now, okay? So you want a blessing, you have to change your name. It says in Genesis 32, 28, your name shall no longer be Jacob, trickster, deceiver, or finesser. You won't operate that way anymore. That is not who you are. I'm going to change your name. Your name shall be Israel. The one who struggled with God. Isn't that cool? The one who struggled with God. No longer will you be known by your own way of operating. Do you hear me, Jacob? You're not going to treat people that way anymore. Because that is not who you are anymore. You are for now on, you're going to be identified by your struggle with me. 
You shall be Israel, for you struggle with God and with man and have prevailed. So what does your name mean this morning? What does our name mean this morning? Does our name reflect the fact that we too have wrestled with God and God has changed our old way of operating? Watch this. God did not dwell on what Jacob was. Do you hear me? God did not dwell on what Jacob was. God dwelt on Jacob's future and what he would become. Until he wrestled with God, he could not receive the blessing he has been promised. God has given us the authority to determine how things can work out. When Jacob saw God that day, Jacob experienced God that day. And it was a wonderful day when, when we discover that the one we thought was working against us was really working for us. The circumstances, the situations, the predicaments that we thought was trying to pin us to the mat and that we thought were against us was actually God trying to work for us wonderful days, great days, glorious days. And when we see that and we actually see that God is working all things out and getting rid of that problem, we get rid of what was delaying the blessing of our life. is it that we look at our pain as a problem? Do you hear me? Why is it that we look at our pain as a problem? When we know that God is for us, he's not against us. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. God loves you and he cares for you. God used his situation to do what? God used that situation to change him. I can just tell you this. In my life, church, it goes all the way back to my youth. I didn't realize that from that eighth grade year to that freshman year that God started to change me. Remember, and you've heard the story, I was running for everything. I wanted to be president of student council, president of this club, athletic club, president of home met club, president of any club that was was there because I was going to be president. That's, I was running for president. And I got president for every one of them. But you see what was happening? God said, oh, you're a problem, young man. You're full of pride. We're going to change some things. So it was in between that eighth grade year and my freshman year that God got a hold of me in Indiana and said, Hello. You need to surrender. And that's when I surrendered. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. That the pain of rejection. Everybody was a bully. Everybody was a bully to the preacher boy. Oh, right into my adult life. I mean, can you believe just because you love Jesus, people hate you? Well. I do know the scripture says this, when you pick up the cross of Christ and follow me, when you pick up the cross of Christ and follow me, there's a cost for the crucifixion. And I look back over my life and I think, wow, thank you, Lord. You humbled me. You humiliated me. You grabbed a hold of my socket and ripped it out of joint. You made me uncomfortable. And it was during that pain that I started to see God real. It was during that pain that I felt the Holy Spirit was real. And in the middle of that night when Jacob was wrestling, and he said, what is going on here? Who are you, man? What's going on? He said, I'm God. And this is how you're going to be known. See, many of you are known by your title. Many of you are known by the field that you work in. You're either a nurse or a doctor or an engineer or a housewife. You're an IT technician. Whatever your position is, however people know you, that is your position. People know you by that. It's funny. If you say Lakewood Church, people would know Lakewood Church. But if you say Joel Osteen, people, oh, I know that name. If you look through times, people, their names are significant. 
So I was trying to think of, you know, people, as I referenced Dr. Tony Evans, they know him as a great preacher. I didn't even know the name of his church. He's known by his reputation, right? Even in our local area, people didn't say, oh, did you hear the pastor from the cathedral up there in Kaga Falls, that church up there? Do you know he passed away? But if I said this to you, that there was once a pastor said, you are special to God. You would say, that's Ernest Angley. All the stars can no way to number them. You know it, right? Okay, I just wanted to throw that out there because some of you were starting to fall asleep because you were at the campfire way too long last night. <laughs> so people are known by their reputation. God considered Jacob valuable. He considered him valuable. In Genesis chapter 32, verse 29, says, And Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. And he asked, Why are you asking me my name? And he blessed him there. In other words, watch this. Don't you know who I am? I'm a big deal. You ought to know who I am. I just told you your name is Israel. What did I tell you when I told you your name? Your name is Israel. Israel, one who has struggled with God. Now watch this. To know my name, all you have to do is say your name. Because your name means the one who strove with God. So just keep telling yourself who you are and you'll know who I am. And he blessed him there. We want God to bless us. Then we cannot keep that old carnal nature and character and have the name of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? We cannot keep that old carnal nature and character and have the name of God. We cannot keep our old ways of operating, old ways of doing things. We cannot keep our old name and character and then get on our knees and ask God for blessings. His blessings comes with a new name and a new way of living. John 3, 3 says, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, if you're writing them down. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Ephesians 4, 24, Romans 6, 6, Colossians 3, 3, 10. How'd you get them? I'll go back. It's just 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. I just want to see if you guys knew shorthand. 5, 17. Ephesians 4, 24, Romans 6, 6, and Colossians 3, 10. But I want to read 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says this. For which cause we faint not, know our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Yet the outward man perishes, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And in verse 17, it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we see here that with Jesus Christ, all things become new. I want to highlight, I think it's Romans 6, 6. And here's what it says. Let me read it for you this morning. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin or be slaves to sin. Knowing this, that our outward man is crucified. Wow. So Jacob named the place Kidion, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. And this is powerful. Because I just saw God thinking I was looking at a man. We were told that he was wrestling with a man, but actually he was looking at God. Isn't that awesome? God was working through a visible manifestation of a man who actually put himself on display. Since God is invisible, he works through tangible things in order to display the invisible God in a visible way. 
Jacob said, I've just seen God and I'm still alive. I'm still here. But Jacob would never be the same again. Why? Because Jacob's hip was dislocated in the wrestling with God, so it is painful for him to walk, to get about. He walks now with a painful limp. I'm going to ask you something personal, this question. We're winding things down. Do we really want a personal encounter with God? When you say, I want to experience a relationship, I want to have a personal encounter with God, do you really believe that? Jacob walks with a painful limp. God is going to put something in our lives to remind us we cannot make it without him. And Jacob could tell you, I have been blessed by God. I'm limping and my hip still hurts at times, but I have been blessed by God and now it was worth it all. Every time I take a step, I'm reminded of my struggle with God and the life-changing blessing that I received. I'm only limping because I ran into God and God ran into me. But the limp is there for another reason. The limp was there to remind Jacob he had better not try to do things on his own ever again. Why? Because he has another hip. God wanted Jacob to remember his blessings. It is a serious thing to fall into the hands of a living God. You hear what I'm saying? It is a serious thing to fall into the hands of a living God. So here's your choice, Jacob. Here's your, here's your choice, church. Do you want to be blessed and limp? Or do you want to be cursed and keep walking normal? We can keep on doing things our way and have no limp, or we can limp and be blessed if we will hang in there with God so that he can address our character and its flaws and its weaknesses. Sometimes we will discover that the things we are wrestling with is God trying to get our attention. It's not too late. It's not too late. So as I close this morning, Jacob started out as a deceiver and a trickster and a manipulator. But in Hebrews chapter 11, he ends up in the famous hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21 says this, but, but by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on his staff. Jacob, Israel, before his death, was able to pass the blessing on to his own family. It's not too late for you. It's not too late for people so close and dear to our hearts. You see, just one divine encounter with God can totally change one's life. Just one divine encounter with God can totally change one's life. Our nation is in such a dire need of such an encounter with God. Our churches are in such a dire need of such an encounter with with God. Today, we remember the veterans, those that gave of their lives for our freedoms. And we are prayerfully, hopefully, at the end stages of this pandemic, and we remember those that have given up their lives for all of mankind in this battle of uncertainty. But we need to pray that no matter the battle, that the cost is counted and that the world can see the encounter and they can encounter Jesus for what and who he is. I love this song by Lorna Harris and Sandy Patty and it says, I've just seen Jesus and I tell you, he's alive. I've just seen Jesus, our precious Lord, alive. And I knew he really saw me too. 
as if till now I'd never lived. All that I'd known before won't matter anymore. I've just seen Jesus. All that I'd done before won't matter anymore. I've just seen Jesus. I'll leave you with this this story. You're in a building where God showed himself real. What did God want to do for Jacob? He wanted to continue the blessing for generations. Listen to me, church. You are here because you were destined to be here. It's your divine appointment. I truly believe that. This was your divine appointment. And I could walk around the sanctuary and show you empty seats of loved ones that need to be here to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We could walk around and see those empty spaces. We have a responsibility to let people know what Jesus has done. And many of you know that no matter who you are, friend, foe, famous, rich, poor, you step on this property, you are held hostage by the pastor for an hour because you will hear how this church got started. That was loving hostage. Loving. I'll tell you why. I've built a ministry on God's story. But how can God ever take your brokenness and turn it into a blessing if you're still broke? So healing comes when we encounter God on that personal level. This morning, I I, I had wrestled back and forth on, on today's message, kicking it off and I know, I have experience after all these years of knowing what Memorial Weekend does for people. But you guys are awesome. You've been attentive this morning. But I know that because of, for many people, they start on Thursday with vacation. And sometimes that's Wednesday night and it goes clear into Tuesday. And so you're just, you're tired and so many things are going on. And you're running to this family member's house and that family member's house. And you're all over the place. But I believe that this message is for me. So it didn't matter. So I told God this morning, I got up and we were in our sunroom. We have a a camper out at Cuddy's and we got there last night and, and I was sitting in that room. And the reason why this becomes so endearing for me is because Mike and Amanda were over last night and we were gabbing and I looked at them and I said, um, you guys, it's Saturday night and I'm supposed to be studying right now and it's 20 after 9, 918 to be exact, right? And we're like, we got to be quiet. We can just keep talking and talking and talking. I have a problem, you know, talking. And uh, so my wife goes, really? And so, you know, you're in there and I'm putting my thoughts together. And I said, God, I, I just have to stay focused on this. Now, listen to me, church. So that motivational video that you saw, I was looking at that. And then God brought up something by Darlene Shepard. And when she started to sing Waymaker, it came up afterwards. It was then that I knew just how powerful God is. Because in that song, it says, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. God, that's who you are. Wait a minute. So I, I, I like paused for a minute and I thought, okay, wait a minute. I asked the men a week ago in our prayer time, God, when we pray, we pray upward, we pray outward, we pray inward. Now, what I want you to do is I want, I want to just exalt the name of God. And what is, who is God to you? So think about this church. Who is God to you? 
And the men said he was forgiving. And I, and I appreciate it because you men have helped me in my prayer time over the last two weeks. Because I've used your adjectives, adverbs, nouns, and everything else. But you, you spoke about how great God is. So I went through all those things, but it was yet this morning, and I've heard this song, and I love this song, that it hit me. Waymaker, you're the miracle worker. God, you're the promise keeper. You keep your promises, and you, it's never too late for you to fulfill what you began in me, what you started in me. So she starts talking, and the music is going, and the other gentleman that, that you'll soon hear, and this is how I'm going to have the invitation today. I was sitting there, and I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And it was right at the time when he said, even when I don't see that you're working, even when I don't see that you're working, you never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see that you're working, you never stop. You never stop working. Patty, I love you to the depths of my feet, to the top of my head. Our journey has been together. I loved your dad, Billy. I love your family. You need to turn your brokenness into blessing. You need to take those broken pieces of your life because he's never stopped working on your life. He'll never stop. He'll never stop. He'll never stop. And church, if we don't believe that he'll never stop working in our life, then we'll lose perspective of everything. We're supposed to love one another. And if we're not loving one another, then we're not fulfilling the great commission that God's called us to. And so, I will say, if God is for us, the accuser is against us. And in that song, if I believe that he is the way maker, that he is the promise keeper, that he is light in the darkness... My God, that is who you are, and that you'll never start working, then why have we put him in the closet up on a shelf and made him a virus and stopped believing by faith that God can cause revival to happen and victories to take place in our lives? Because he's still working. But we're limited. God loves us. And I know he's working. I know my God is working. And when that happened to me, and you don't know this, but I've had a hard time breathing all morning. The breath came out of me. Because as soon as that guy started singing, my wife was in the other room. I wanted to just weep and fall to the floor and say, God, the times I've doubted you and the times I've given up on you, you've never stopped working on me. You've never left me alone. You've never forsaken me. And it was at the point that the Holy Spirit said to me, Todd, God loves you. And he's never stopped you. He'll never give up to you. It's never too late. I don't care what you're struggling through. And at that moment, see, I'm still breathing hard. At that moment, it took my breath away and I wanted to just weep and ask God to forgive me because I felt he stopped working. And this past week, I had a meeting with the deacons and trustees, and I said to them, I want to do this, and I want to build here, and I want to do this, and, and I feel like God is moving us to build the addition over there. We all had that meeting. But it was at the time, and you guys don't even know this, that I felt this sense of I lost faith. Because I said, well, we need to move out. And right then the accuser said, why would you move the church forward? You're not full every week. And so I said, yeah, maybe I failed you, Lord. But I told you before, it's not Todd, it's God. He'll never stop working for us. 
And until we realize that God is always in the business to move forward. I had a church service on a deck, all because we were willing. And then I had a church service at the YMCA. Then we went to the court call. All these places said, you'll never get in. You won't be able to have worship service there, whatever. So on and so forth, et cetera, et cetera. But God made a way. And so he put us at Riverside Drive. And they'll say, you'll, I went to the bank. They said, you'll never get in this building. It'll never happen. You can't get a loan. Come on. Are you, you dreaming? You only, make, you only bring in $500, $700 a week. You can't even make the payment on this big building. But it was God who said, you'll never stop. You'll never stop. You'll never stop working. We have people that are in this room that have recovered from drugs. Because he doesn't stop working. He doesn't give up on you. You know why? Because I didn't always believe that he was the way maker, that he was the miracle worker. And I lose my faith sometimes, just like you. And then when we're standing out here, all of us men, giving our opinion, and that's what we love to do. I normally have the ladies and everybody, husbands and wives there on, on, on the ministry team. But I figured with enough of us men, that would take up enough time. And so I didn't have, you know, we, like you guys want to talk about nuts and bolts, right, ladies? So, discussing that, I came in here and, and we're looking at pushing during the same thing, pushing this forward so that adds more seats. And that's where I started to feel like I was losing my faith. Well, if there's that many seats empty, maybe we shouldn't. And that's not true. Because we've reached capacity, and that's the truth. And we can't, when you reach 80% capacity, according to Barna, you've already reached your limit in that building. So if my God is the way maker and he's the miracle worker and he's light in the darkness and if he can on a cold rainy morning which is starting to bring out sunshine this morning and dry things up if he can say Todd even though you don't see that I'm working I'm working and the Holy Spirit goes before us he's beside me he's behind me He's here to intercede for us. Jesus Christ, who sits at the right hand of the Father, bears witness for us. There's some doctrine for you. But I know that we all have that ability. And I don't even care if it's 12 o'clock. Because I needed to share my heart with you this morning. I want to just conclude the service today. And I want us all to rise to our feet. And I want you to hear how they put this together. Never realize that in Africa is where Waymaker came from until today but as the praise team comes and if you want to come to the altar the altar's open for you you come and pray and have some quiet time with god but here's what i want you to do i want you to have a personal encounter with god i want you to experience a personal encounter with god i've lived a life of personal encounters with god and today will always be a day I will always remember at 7.20 this morning my personal encounter with God. So that goes in my, in my memory bank, in the chapter of my book. It's never too late. If it's not too late for Jacob, and it wasn't too late for Paul, it's not too late for you. It's not too late for us. Father, we love you. We thank you for today. Thank you that you never stop working. And even though we don't see you, even though we may not feel you at that moment, you never stop working. Lord, let us feel your presence. Let us continue to have encounters with you. Let us understand that you're real, that you're tangible. And even though we may not see your face, we can feel your touch. Even though we may not feel that 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 visual, we can feel your presence, the comfort, the mercy that only comes from you. So we thank you, Jesus, for there is power in your name. And I know that you're the way maker. I know that you're the miracle worker. And Lord, 
I want us to put aside whatever's going on out there in this world. And today we're in this sanctuary of prayer when the sanctuary prays. Let us just bow our knee before you. Let us sit in our seats. Let us feel your presence. And let all of us encounter your blessings. God, there's broken people in this room. Maybe we have felt like we're a little out of place, out of joint. But God, I pray that you'll heal us. Cause us to limp. Keep the gimp. No matter what it is, God, let us look at it as a blessing, not a burden. Let us look at it as a blessing, not a curse. So in the name of Jesus, I lift the stronghold of those that are listening and those in this congregation in the powerful, victorious name of Jesus Christ. And I ask for deliverance right now in the name of Jesus. You know the hearts and souls of man and of woman. And God, I pray that you will deliver right now in the name of Jesus. Because you never stop working. You never stop. You never stop. In Jesus' name, amen.